0: Wasma Fro has been working in Afghanistan since she was 17, lobbying for women's and children's rights. Now she's studying at the University of Warwick for a Master's in International Development and in Human Rights Law. Wasma spoke to me about some of the issues she's faced. So first of all, could you just tell me a little bit about your background? Yeah, my name is Wasma Froh. I'm from Afghanistan. And I'm going to be around 30 this year and I have been working on women's rights for like the past 13 years especially when I started with the refugee camps in in Pakistan Peshawar when when I was like around 17 years of age and um, for the past 13 years I've been involved in national level campaigns for women's rights uh, at the very grassroots level at the international level at the regional level as well, recently um, I brought in lots of women's issues at UN Commission on the Status of Women this year, and that was followed by, um, I also received an award from the State Department for, for the work I've been doing in Afghanistan. So mainly like I've been involved in, in activism for women's rights. So you're now at Warwick, you're studying Master's in International Development and Human Rights Law. What brought you to UK and to Warwick in particular? My, my work started very much at the grassroots level, where it was all practical experiences, working with people, working with, especially in the past few years, like the, the, the shelter and the legal aid center that I have been running for women at risk has been so much kind of transforming me as a person as well, in terms of like how do I look at, at life generally, especially for women in Afghanistan. And I was working on, on the legal issues a lot. So uh, legal issues in a way that, for example, women who had issues with marriage, with child custody, with, uh, for example, with um, child custody after uh, with divorce uh, and domestic violence has a huge issue. And what I was doing, I was trying to bring in human, women's human rights issues to the law, so that the issues that we had, we have, with law that does not resolve women's problems. I was using like those cases as a public interest litigation. Although, like I'm not a lawyer by profession, like in terms of corp- corporate lawyer, but I am. I've been. I'm a paralegal. So um, based on the experience, and then um, I applied for the Shevening Scholarship at the British Council, and I I got it. And one of the reasons was that I want to bring in human rights within the law, so that the law does not remain as a technical thing only but something a, a way of resolving human rights issues as well and being able to incorporate those issues which which people don 't take it that way. law is very technical non political term itself, but it has been a question for me all the time so this was my idea, and I discussed with a couple of people who were teaching in u k and one of the professors who was teaching at our course. I happened to find her uh, through um, the British Council and she explained about the program to me and it was very interesting in a way that was very much similar to my experience, like what I was working on on the ground and and what it could really kind of bring bring bringing that sort of academic base to what I was doing because um, I was very confident that law is not a technical term itself, it's not a technical issue only, but it has to resolve social issues. Which uh, And then when I found out about the course, I was confident that, okay, what I have been found, finding as an experience on working on the ground, it, it has an academic base. That, that was the reason I came to Warwick and joined the, the program. So when did you join the program? How long in ago October? In October. And what's been your experience so far? Oh, it's it has been very much interesting. Although, like UK overall, like for for example, even though I have traveled a lot to different parts of the country, I have lived in the US for sometimes as well. But um, it is different. UK <laughs> is different, especially it's different from the US too. So the, it it has been an incredible experience in a way that I'm learning new things. Especially when you come from a country like Afghanistan, it's it's strange for people. Like the first day in the class, like when I said I'm from Afghanistan, like people were very much like sort of surprised, and and there were some some that are asking, "Oh, do you still wear the burqa? And I said, "No, actually, the the way I dress here is this very same way that I dress in in, in Afghanistan." And people were like literally shocked because. What they see in media, what they see on TV, and on uh, what they read about Afghanistan, it's, it's sort of very different from from the realities. And and that has been one of the reasons that I started writing for the different newspapers, like for Guardian, for Washington Post, recently for Calgary and Herald, just to to bring in that sort of public education in terms of like how do people live in Afghanistan, and for example, as a woman, what is the experience. I have a very strong like 13 years of academy of mm-hmm. uh, community and also national level work experience which is quite solid in terms of like of even it has like what we study here in terms of the theoretical aspects it is very much linked to to the experiences of the people which is a little bit distinct from the the rest of the students because most of them have just graduated from undergrads and came to to masters level or or they they have not been out of UK for example for them life is different so um, it's also strange for them the way i contribute to to discussions they think okay a woman from afghanistan very outspoken how is it possible so you started your career at just 17 yeah can you tell me a little bit about how you got started and what motivated you mhm uh, ah it was such an experience actually i when I graduated from school, um, like, I was in Pakistan and Peshawar. So we studied till 12th grade. And as I was, till 10th, we study in, in the school and two years in college. And then two, those two years are kind of major or concentrating on a, on a specific issue. So mine was the social sciences. And for my graduation from the two years of college, I had to do a report on on, on an actual social issue. Even though we were, for example, we we had migrated from Afghanistan due to the, the, the conflict and the civil war that was going on there, but uh, we were not living in the camps, or we didn't know like what is life with the, like for the refugee camps. Those who are living in the camps, which was quite like a terrible situations. We were living in, in urban centers. We didn't know much about it. So for the school, I had to to do this report for for the graduation. It's not a thesis sort of, but a sort of a report on one of the social um, issues. I, I tried to find out, and, and I, I was actually this also goes back to my like to even before I went to school when I was very young, like I was a very kind of a rebellious child at home, even though like we had a huge family still like six uncles, all of their children, each of them at least have six children. So all of them living in the same house, you can imagine how many like how many people are there. And and it has been such a big family. Even there, like we had a lot of these kind of strict rules for girls, strict rules for boys. How do women perform there? How do boys act? So all these gender roles were very strictly kind of monitored by my grandmother. One of her um, examples was that she used to tell us that girls should not eat meat because it makes them strong and they start arguing so for her like as a woman because that's the way she was grown up as a woman for her this was that a woman who speaks in a louder voice a woman who is who is able to like who who is able to say no for example or who is kind of outspoken this is against the morals for her mm-hmm. But I was the one who was always kind of questioning. And, they, and there were times that I, I was like during the childhood I was beaten so much because of that sort of an attitude that, that I had. So it goes back to my, my childhood as well, that I, I like, always did whatever against what I was told to do. So um, for this report, um, uh, when I talked with a number of people, like, they also suggested that why don't you go to one of the refugee camps and see what is happening, and maybe from there you can find an issue. So I went to one of the refugee camps in, in, in uh, one of the rural areas in Peshawar where the Afghan refugees were living. In the situation of children and women there, like I was 17, now I'm 30. So you can imagine they have around like 13, 14 years ago. Even in that, in this time span, whenever I remembered, I, I just feel so emotional about it because... The, the condition of children, the women who weren't living in the refugee camps, that was terrible. And that, that made me that, okay, this is what I want to do something. This is where I want to contribute to, to an improvement of their life. But for that, I needed to know what are the issues. Like what you see is, is not, like does not resolve the, the question of what are the problems. So and mainly I looked at the, the health, especially the social health issues that the families had. And there was an NGO, an NGO that was that was helping them with because Peshawar is very hot, it's very humid, and the refugee camps were living in in rural areas where the like the open waters was around, so malaria epidemic was very it was spreading, and there was an NGO that was doing them that was distributing bednets for the families, and they were telling us that like, we are distributing the bed nets to the families. But we are still seeing children and women, they are being plagued with malaria. Like, we don't find this connection, even though we are helping, but we don't mm-hmm. see what, what is the issue. Because, for, for example, what was happening was that these distributors were men. They were not allowed to enter into the tents of the families or go to inside the, the camp. So they were only, like, distributing the tents and the food and other relief packages to men. Some of these men used to sell it outside the home just to earn money. Some of them were drug addicts, so they were selling it to buy drug for them. It never reached to the women and children. Mm -hmm. The other reason; these were the reasons I found out during my um, seven days of stay in that camp was that this was one of the issues, that the the men took it out. They never brought it home. They never brought it to the tent. And uh, the other uh, reason was that the men who got the tent. Because it was very hot, so men used to sleep outside the tent and women and children inside. So the man, only one man was was sleeping under the big t- bed net. That he was like taking the, and then the children and women were still having like um, these problems, especially with malaria. Mm. And then when I found out these issues, I, I took them back to the NGO and they were very like, they, they, they changed a lot of their strategies, they hired female distributors and, and that sort of thing. So that seven days I, I, I did my report, I graduated from school and that was the time like, I, I became so much passionate about doing something. I um, I joined because I was going to to college at that time as well. So I joined the part time one of the um, uh, newspapers that, that it's still going on a very sort of prestigious newspaper that was being like daily newspaper from Peshawar. And on that time, women even in Peshawar, women working like thirteen years ago, a girl who was like who was not even eighteen working for a newspaper. It was really a big deal. Um, and I was not a Pakistani as well. Like I, I had a refugee status, which usually refugees do not get jobs. But when I went and spoke with the with the ch- chief editor and told him that this is the situation of this refugee camp, and I really want to bring this back because it was also that the government, the Pakistani government, was taking a lot of money from the, the UN on, on behalf of the refugees to provide them support, but that support was not reaching to them. So I wanted, it was a political issue as, uh, mm-hmm. at that time as well. So I wanted to do this. And and the editor-in-chief said, okay, you're such a like, sort of a passionate person, but it, wouldn't, uh, it will not be easy for you here. Because one was that this is an English newspaper. English is not your native language. And then, uh, even though I studied in an English medium, but my English was not very, very good on that time. Even now, like I tried. with, uh, So he said in in this chat, like he had around 300 staff members in a three-story building. It was huge. But no single woman was there. And, and the the newspaper was owned by one of the, the biggest um, drug lords in Peshawar. The newspaper was owned by him. And the editor-in-chief, Warren Rida things are not going to be easy here you being a girl we we did not have a girl so far because people here think that like it's just not acceptable literally so i said it's okay i i will take that although like my my family didn't want it like f- for for everyone what was sort of like a girl of 17 years she's going to work in this newspaper which is kind of like all men and in in such a kind of um, society but i accepted that challenge and i started working with him it was it was very interesting the first days for example i i remember that i used to work till four o'clock in the morning just like rewriting my my stuff like i used to go on the daily basis i used to go to the camps and and prepare stories and then he was helping me with publishing, but even when they were published, we like the newspaper came under huge political pressure because why you are bringing up these issues, like even being a Pakistani newspaper, the Pakistani government was pressurizing them that you do not have to show this uh, the, this bad situation of the Afghan refugees, even though the Pakistani government takes money on uh, on their behalf and these this stuff. So I worked with them for like two years after that, like, in the NGO that I helped them with with the with their strategy that, that was failing in terms of business, they offered me to, like, after I finished the two years of college, They and on that time I was working with Frontier Post newspaper, so they said that they offered me a job, and then I went to, to the, and that's how I went to the NGO community. And I started working with them, but that was the time of the Taliban, that the Afghan Kabul uh, and Afghanistan was under the Taliban. Taliban rule and they said that you would have to go to Afghanistan as well because we have projects that that, and there are women that need your support and stuff like that like my father was very supportive he he used to come with me because I could not travel I could not come to Afghanistan without a man this is one of this was one of the requirements of the, the Taliban government that any woman who gets out she's not allowed to work She's not allowed to to go get out of home like she had to cover from the head to toe like in I, I call it shuttlecock sort of a, of a burqa and then like in that situation like but my dad used to come with me and and I used to come back and forth to to Kabul and and back to Peshawar so from one organization I started with the other, but mainly till two thousand and and then um, I came to to Kabul in 2001, like permanently. And in December 2001, the bombing started. And and I came like in December 2001, I came back to Afghanistan. I went to to Kabul. I was transferred. So till 2005 and six, I was very much with the community, like the community. Then I changed my strategy in a way that, okay, for all these seven years now, I'm working with the communities. But I also see that the national level policies and the international aid that comes here is does not um, addressing the the right strategies to get to the rural communities. So that's where I thought maybe I, I can add more, I can contribute towards. In 2006 I changed my 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 working strategy that I I joined the like uh, positions where I I worked strategically in terms of the policy national policy level so I I, I like organized campaigns I, I worked with the international community created forums of NGOs and women's rights organizations for aid effectiveness also worked on and then worked on the legal reform come in, like used these um, cases that i had been working on for all these years as case laws for to present them to the parliament to present them to, to the to the courts and being able to bring in sort of amendments to the laws so that it could help women and then i also thought that it's very important because like we get billions of international aid in afghanistan but that has not been really able to to change or transform women's lives in a very sort of strategic or fundamental ways so i I said it's it's also important that that we let the international community know about it and that's how i I'm like I got into the the international conferences I used to to i spoke at the the security council this year I went at the u n Commission on the status of women in New York like I've been doing a lot of advocacy within the bush government also with the state department I was very active during the, uh, the development of the strategy, uh, the Afghan strategy that, um, uh, that the U.S. was preparing in March. So I was, like the whole March, I was in the State Department working with different departments, trying to bring them these local perspectives. Mm-hmm. And even when I came to UK, I've been doing the same thing with the foreign office. Like, I've been attending their meetings. I've been providing them inputs from an Afghan non-political uh, voice. How's your work what sort of problems has it caused for you personally i have had a lot of like backlashes of course within the relatives like i have an uncle who doesn't speak to me since um, 2003 or 4 when he when i was first when i first appeared on tv i was talking on a on a on a case of a woman who was raped i was working on that case with the family court and, and also with the criminal court so the, the, like my family, only like my immediate family were supportive, but the relatives were all very angry that how is this girl talking about these issues? And and, and so of course the family backlash is there. But of, of course, in terms of threats to my own life, I have that like received numerous threats on my life that uh, because people have seen that I make a difference. Mm-hmm especially I got the, the award from Hillary Clinton and Michelle Obama this year, mm-hmm. which was kind of like created a lot of, sort of for the rural communities. It's not the people themselves, but it's the, the, the people who are like the militants, the Taliban who are in those communities that, that create trouble. And they want the communities to, to stand against any women who they think is, is not a good woman. So just a final question then. What is life like for women in Afghanistan at the moment? Things have changed for them for the better in the past eight years. As one of our MPs, a female MP, the other day had an interview and she said the past eight years have been like golden years for the women of of Afghanistan historically, and that's true. Like the the achievements we had are incredible in terms of the parliament. For example, we have 27% of women in the parliament. This this is a big achievement. Of course, it's because of the quota, but women's presence in the parliament. We have a Ministry of Women's Affairs, like women in the urban areas started getting out of homes. And so the international presence has earned a lot of um, sort of credit of this for, for women empowerment in Afghanistan. But at the same time, life has not changed for the women in the rural areas and it's and it's also it's very important to understand it in a way that the, their problems are not born like yesterday they have had these problems for hundreds of years so they cannot be solved in 8 years however the some however one what was also kind of challenging is was the the lack of strategic spending on the international aid that comes to Afghanistan it had it lacked community ownership in most of the times where, for example, a community should have received the funds, it was a private company, for example, a private international company, because they had to comply with the international standards of reporting. Mm-hmm. So the, the, the international aid is a lot is, is a little bit controversial on, on the parts of Afghans who believe that life has not changed for them. The past eight years have brought us a lot of achievements for, for women's rights, but within the urban settings. But but at the same time, I, I'm like, no matter how critical I am about the development, I, I would say that past eight years have been really the golden years for the women of Afghanistan. And the credit do go to the international funders and donors of Afghanistan. U.S., U.K. are the, the biggest donors, That that's the communities. And that's what I want to bring in like to the notice of the public that that is quite like I see like I didn't know about it the way the UK public for example is questioning the war in Afghanistan the the way they were questioning the presence of their troops I think if I was a UK citizen I would have been proud of uh, of my troops to be able to go to a country where women's rights i know that for example a uk troop had has no responsibility to help women of of my country but they are fighting a war that 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 is not a war of this country itself like the london bombings if we know that Came up because of the Taliban and, and the Al Qaeda that are linked there, and, and the September 11 attacks, the the Madrid attacks. So of course, like you know that now this 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 sort of the attacks and the terror that has taken root in the borders of, of Afghanistan and Pakistan is not only our problem; it's very much global problem. So I think as UK citizens, they they have to be proud of their soldiers. They have to be proud of their sons and daughters if they, that they are serving for for such a cause that it's not only they are saving their own country but they are having they say they are helping the human rights of another country's people and that's what i wanted to to bring into to uk that sort of a voice